he doesn't have to throw three touchdowns, four touchdowns every game. He just has to be competent. And can Russell Wilson be competent? I think he definitely can because I think Sunday shows he didn't just fall off a cliff. He's not washed up. A washed up quarterback does not play like Russell Wilson did on Sunday. What do you think, Broncos country? Are we accepting moral victories? Did you see something from your quarterback? Down 27-0 to the Chiefs. Kind of willed the Broncos back into it before he got knocked out of the game. Did Russell Wilson give you hope for 2023? We'll be talking about that throughout the program. But first and foremost, it's the Broncos Wire podcast. Welcome to the show. Ryan O'Leary here, joined as always by John Heath. John is the managing editor of USA Today's Broncos Wire. And John, I, you're, you're a, a happier John Heath than usual, right? How you doing? I'm doing good, Ryan. I, I am a lot happier than usual after a Broncos game this season. And, uh, you know, after the game, the players... Like Justin Simmons, he really poo-pooed the idea of a moral victory being okay, and I like that. I want the players to not be satisfied with the moral victory. That's good. But from a fan's perspective, after what we've seen for the Broncos this season, I will take anything I can get. And Sunday was so encouraging, and even in a loss, I think it was the Broncos' best performance of the season. Because on defense... You know, the one touchdown wasn't their fault. It was a pick six on offense, so that's not on them. They forced three turnovers. They picked off Patrick Mahomes three times. And that little underhand toss he did, that's insane. Like, that's just Patrick Mahomes being Patrick Mahomes. There's not a whole lot you can do about that. But what you can do is make plays when you have opportunities. And that's what the defense did, picking him off three times. And off of two of those, the offense scored points. The third interception, the offense should have done something with that too. So the defense played well. The offense finally came to life. Like this is the offense that at the beginning of the year we thought we were going to see every week. And now we finally see it. And it's so encouraging. And on special teams, there wasn't anything great on special teams, but there weren't any calamities. And by the standard that the Broncos special teams have set this year, not having any huge mess ups on special teams, like that's a huge step forward. So the defense played well. The offense played well. Special teams was fine. Like overall, it was such a complete team performance. And I, it, it was not good. Obviously, it's never good to fall down 27 to nothing. But I absolutely loved the way they responded, the way they never quit, the way they never fought back. Like, it just, it gave me so much hope and optimism, which is all I've wanted these last few weeks. Like, we're talking about in a recent podcast, like counting down the games, you know, only five more games, only four more games. Finally, when will we be put out of our misery? And then, you know, we're just going to be mopey dopey going into 2023 because, you know, woe is us. There's no hope. But then on Sunday, the Broncos come out, they play a really good team, a, a, you know, a team that's competing, you know, has a chance to compete for Super Bowl this year. They fight back. They get back in the game. I think if Russell Wilson doesn't get hurt, I think the Broncos could have completed that comeback. And yeah, it's only one game, but I'm still so encouraged. Yeah, I don't care that it's a small sample size. I don't care if moral victories don't count, you know, in the win-loss record. For what we've seen from the Broncos this year, that game was so encouraging to me. And it makes me feel so much better about the possibility of things getting turned around in 2023. What I tell you, folks, it's a happier John Heath. That's all I can say. <laughs> now, you're always a pretty happy guy. No, we're leaning into the positivity. We're leaning in. We're leaning in. Uh, John, we haven't had uh, a show where we felt good about the Broncos since August. <laughs> when, when have we felt good about the Broncos? Honestly, it's been that long. It's been that long. No, we're leaning into the positivity. And yes, uh, I agree. Moral victories is like a, a, a it's a sad topic, 
and to be celebrating a game where the Broncos were down 27 to nothing is is weird. It feels it feels really weird. I mean, how many of us watching that game were just like, you got it, 27 nothing? Man, wh- how bad is this going to be? How bad is this blowout going to be? Uh, but for this team to battle back, John, when we all know the head coach is going to be gone, uh, you know, uh, right when the season's over, Nathaniel Hackett and his staff are going to be let go. We all know what's coming. There's nothing to play for. Like, that the team got their backs up and came back and did that, <laughs> came all the way back. And yet, even Russell Wilson getting hurt, they had a chance to tie it, John. They did. Yeah. They had a chance to go it. win it, right? Where were they down? Yeah. They had a chance to go win it at the end, even with Brett Rippon on there. I mean, there was plenty of time. There was like, what, six minutes left or something yep. when they had the football yep. and they were driving? So, like, come on. Uh, for them to come back on that team against that quarterback, and I know, I mean, if you turn on NFL Network, all you're going to see is that Patrick Mahomes pass to Jet McKinnon, the the little flip. That's all you're going to see. You're not going to see the interceptions. You're only going to see that pass because everyone's going to freak out about, oh, look at what Patrick Mahomes did now. But no, we're going to give some time to the Broncos, who are just, they have nothing to play for at this point. And the crowd hates them. The fans hate them. And it's just been like, a, we're all waiting for 2023. For them to come back from 27 nothing and have a chance to beat the Chiefs, I mean, how can you not celebrate that a little bit, John? Right. So that's that's what we're doing. We're leading into the positivity, uh, and that's uh, it, it. Feels weird to do that this season. It does because we've spent the last fourteen weeks <laughs> talking yeah. about negative negative stuff, negativity on this podcast. And it it shows you how bad the season has been of how good we feel and how excited we are coming out of a loss. Like that's the level the Broncos have reached that after a loss where they looked good, you know, we're celebrating that. But honestly, seriously, I really am celebrating that performance. Like I know win loss record doesn't mean anything like this season's already lost anyway. They're eliminated from playoff contention. So they have nothing to play for. But like you said, with having nothing to play for, they didn't pack it in. They didn't just go through through the motions they kept fighting and i love that so much and it gives us it gave us a glimpse like this is what this team is capable of like this offense is capable of moving the ball you know russell wilson he's capable of playing really well you know even without Cortland sutton without tim patrick like jerry judy absolutely went off and you know without javante williams you know they cut melvin gordon you know marlon mack was out there making plays like marlon mack yes. now i'm like Maybe they're going to re-sign Marlon Mack, if nothing else, to be like Javante Williams' compliment next year. Because Latavius Murray, I appreciate him coming in and doing a job this year. I don't think they're bringing him back. He's he's a veteran, older guy getting towards the end of his career. I don't think he's coming back. But Marlon Mack, he's a younger running back. And, and after watching him play that awesome stiff arm and just following his blocks down the field, and he's a young guy. So he's someone that I think give him a one-year deal at the end of the season and have him be your second or third string running back next year. So just seeing positive stuff like that, I love the the positive developments that we can take into next season and have some encouraging signs that, okay, maybe the offense is not just going to be... Because as things were going, I was thinking, well, you know, if we're awful again in 2023, maybe we can get like the number one pick in 2024 when we have first round draft picks again. But now I'm back to thinking, and again, like you said, I'm very optimistic. So maybe I'm deluded and over optimistic. Happy this week, John. You're happy this yeah, week. Yeah, I'm back to, you know, maybe the Broncos get some pieces this offseason. Maybe they patch up the offensive line. You know, maybe they get in a competent coaching staff and maybe they're right back to competing for the playoffs last year. And after the football that we've seen this season, maybe it's not realistic to think that, but I'm back to thinking that after seeing the performance that they had on Sunday.
Oh, the energy in your voice, John. This is exactly what I was expecting in December with this team back in the summer. You know, this is what I, ex- I expected. This pep in your voice. We're all fired up. Just you wanted nothing this in but September. hope. September. That's right. the problem. E- exactly. Exactly. Again, folks listening to the show is like, no, this is not what I come to the Broncos Wire podcast for. I come to hear what Hackett screwed up this week and hear people just bitch and moan. But no, no, we're not doing it. And John, I think Jerry Judy does he listen to the pod? Because uh, we were we were kind of dumping on him last week, but you know, three touchdowns. Uh, the, he's kind of responded. I mean, I think he's hearing the, if Jerry Judy's hearing their criticism a little bit, and I'm joking about us, obviously he's not listening to us, but if he's here, but we're not the only ones saying it, right? If he's hearing that, he knows he, he was almost traded. I think it was, again, we've said this in the past, if they got the right compensation, Jerry Judy would have been traded, uh, for him to like show the passion. I mean, now he could have got ejected in this game, right? I mean, he he really towed that line. A lot of people think he went over the line when he blew up on an official in this ball game, but there was some fire out of Jerry Judy, John. I thought that was a good sign, right? And he was, you know, kind of spearheading that comeback as well. Yeah, I think that goes to show when Jerry Judy gets ticked off, he can take over a game. And and he said after the game he was mad because he thought he was held, and he said he understood he shouldn't have lost his temper. And Nathaniel Hackett said they talked to him, and he knows that's unacceptable. So in hindsight, he knows that was not acceptable. But yeah, like you said, he he definitely could have been ejected. So that was a little crazy. But in a way for the Broncos, with him not being ejected, I think that energy and emotion really got Judy going and it got the breast out of the Broncos. And like you said, he he went off. It was the best game of his career uh, as a Bronco. And it it was the first time a Broncos receiver has caught three touchdown passes in a single game since Demarius Thomas. And and that was pretty cool because the Broncos, they so honored crazy. DT yeah. during the game. And it was just a couple days earlier than that game. It had been one year since his death. So for Judy to do that, it was just, it was a cool moment. And yeah, like you said, he just went off and we've talked about before. We know he has had the talent. It's just, it just hasn't come through. And on Sunday it came through and I was thinking about it. I was like, you know, this is what he's capable. How can we get more of this and less of the, you know, unproductive Jerry Judy and the coaches have talked about it. Some, I, a part of it, I think is scheme. Like, some of Judy's past struggles, it's on bad quarterbacks. And even this year, Russell Wilson hasn't played well a lot. Some of it is on Judy himself. But I think some of it, or maybe a lot of it, has been in scheme. And the whole offense this year, I think a lot of the problems have been scheme and how they've used guys and not gotten the best out of them. But when Cortland Sutton left the game, uh, or, or did once unavailable for the game, going into the game, because Cortland Sutton had a hamstring injury, Nathaniel Hackett said they put uh, Judy at Sutton's position, which is like a backside position. So when you have like two receivers and a tight end or three receivers on one side of the field, they get Judy on the other side, not every single play, but a lot of times Judy lined up on the opposite side of the field. And then the safety has to kind of shade over to that strong side of the field where the Broncos have the bulk of their receivers. And when that happens, you get Judy isolated one-on-one. And that's exactly the matchup the Broncos want. Cause in man coverage, Jerry Judy is absolutely phenomenal. We've talked about before, his route running is so good. If we can get Judy in one-on-one situations, like he's unstoppable. We saw it on Sunday. They could not stop him one-on-one. And so that's that it comes down to again scheme. Like you gotta scheme up the offense to get the best out of your players. Put Jerry Judy in positions to make plays. Don't put him in the slot, you know, in the middle of two other receivers and put him in a zone, put like a linebacker in his same area, a corner in his same area, or put him in a situation where there's a safety over a top and a corner trailing him. Like 
put him in the best position to make plays and he'll reward you for it like he did on Sunday. So shout out to Jerry Judy. Like you said, we were just, I was just talking last week of how my opinion was that he hasn't lived up to expectations. And he went out and he, he said, take that, John, you know, I have the talent. It's not my fault. <laughs> it's the coaching staff. And we can't argue with that. We've been complaining about this coaching staff all season. Give me angry Jerry Judy all day. Uh, toe that line. Yell at the officials. Do what you got to do. If it's going to help you score three touchdowns. And yeah, the, the I don't know what's the right word. Um, serendipitous or whatever with uh, that connection to Demarius Thomas, the last receiver to catch three touchdowns. It's also the first time Wilson has thrown three touchdowns in a game this season, John. So it just shows you how much of a struggle it's been for Wilson in the offense. But uh, I know you felt like this was the Wilson the Broncos traded for, right? Just him making plays, the fight he showed. Uh, again, down twenty-seven, nothing. He wasn't he wasn't down and out of it, right? He was still being Russ, like clapping his hands, doing his thing. And it's just like you might have been rolling your eyes while you're watching it, but all of a sudden they get back in the game and you're like, okay, all right, we got something going here. Uh, this is the the player that the Broncos traded for, right, John? I know you. I believe in that. I'm going to let you talk. But seeing Russell Wilson play that way, while also at the same time, I think the game was going on right at the same time, and I'm watching the Red Zone channel over here. I'm watching like Brock Purdy, who was literally the last pick in the draft this past year, lighting up Tom Brady and the Bucks for the San Francisco 49ers, their third string quarterback, just lighting it up. It just, I don't know, it just kind of hit me in that moment. I know this has been a big topic is was this Russell Wilson trade the worst in NFL history should the Broncos just get out of it should they get out of his contract should they move on right now cut their losses blah 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 all that it's like when you watch Russell Wilson play like that in that game after they got down 27 nothing and then you see a kid like Brock Purdy who let's be honest nobody's ever heard of this kid no one's ever heard of him now he's like the new starting quarterback he's going to lead the 49ers to the Super Bowl or something right like he looks so good in that game against the Bucks it's like Coach, system, program, all of that. Get the guys around him, right? Like Christian McCaffrey, you know, what 49ers have done. Like, I just made that connection. It's just like, no, no, no. Russell Wilson, he's going to be plenty good enough if you can just get the right coach, the right system, and the right players around him, right? Like, I love the the Broncos' skill players. I know Tim Patrick has the best hands in football or whatever, what Broncos country will tell me. And I know Jerry Judy's the best route runner in football. That's what Broncos country will tell me. But let's get more weapons. Let's be greedy, get more weapons, put them around Russell Wilson, get a better coach, get a real system in here. And I think we could start to get what we hoped for coming in originally. You know what I mean? That just kind of hit me watching the game, John. Yeah, absolutely. I think you have to put him in a position to succeed. And I don't think Nathaniel Hackett has done a good enough job doing that. And a couple of weeks ago, they switched over to Clint Kubiak as the offensive play caller. And it took a couple games to get his feet under him, which I think is to be expected. Like any coach, any play caller, you know, it's going to take a little time to, you know, get things underneath you. But now that he has, I think Sunday was also a reflection of, I think Hack, or excuse me, I think Kubiak is already a better fit for Wilson than Hackett was. And I think Wilson, he's just, I think he's, uh, loosened up more like that read option play he called that play himself and all Sunday it was very unfortunate that he he ended up getting knocked out with a concussion on a running play but the whole game he was willing to move around he was willing to run and he was willing to make plays with his legs and I absolutely love that because I think when Wilson is moving around that's when he's at his best and again like scheme like you're talking about 
They went more up-tempo, and when they go more up-tempo, that's when we've seen the best results from the Broncos' offense. Like Sunday, and in part, they had to because they were in such a hole. They had to have some sense of urgency, but it's just you can go up-tempo when you're not in a hole. Like they did it with yes. Peyton Manning all the time. It doesn't and have if to be a warning. Right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. If your quarterback is comfortable with that, if he's in a groove and if he's running around like Wilson is making plays and he's just like you get like in the flow. And I feel like they got to get Wilson in a position to do that. And he definitely was on Sunday. And like you said, that was the Wilson that we thought the Broncos traded for in March. Like if Wilson can play like that, get back to that quarterback and play like that going forward, like the Broncos are going to be in business in 2023. We don't have to talk about getting out of his contract. We don't have to talk about hoping that he retires or something like that. Like, and of course, the consistency is a thing. It's only a one-game sample size. But even like you're saying, he doesn't have to throw three touchdowns, four touchdowns every game. He just has to be competent. And can Russell Wilson be competent? I think he definitely can because I think Sunday shows he didn't just fall off a cliff. He's not washed up. A washed up quarterback does not play like Russell Wilson did on Sunday. If you're washed up, you just can't do that. It's just everything kind of came to together. You know, the game plan was better. Wilson was feeling it. And it, it just gave us a glimpse of this is what Russell Wilson can be for the Broncos. And it was so encouraging. And like you said, it just the fight I love to see. And Russell Wilson this season, yeah. His performance in a lot of games have not been good enough. I get that. And yeah, his personality, his corniness, a lot of people don't appreciate it. I get that. And so you can knock him for that. You can knock him for the stuff you don't like. You can knock him for the bad performances. But you can't knock him for his work ethic. All the coaches, all the players, they talk about how tirelessly he works. And, you know, they talk about his passion, his will, his drive. Like he is so determined. Like it hasn't worked out for a large majority of the season, but it's not because he's not trying. Wilson is clearly trying, and you could see that on Sunday. Even on that play when he got knocked out, you could see how much he was trying. Like, he wanted to score on that play. He wanted more than just picking up a first down. And when he threw that pass to Marlon Mack, and Mack made a great play, they zoomed up on Wilson after it, and he was so fired up, fist-pumping, like, you could tell how much he wants this, and how much he desires gets this turnaround. Like, Broncos fans are mad with Wilson. And like, I've been super frustrated with Russell Wilson this season, but I know nobody is more frustrated than the player himself. Like Wilson wants to get this turned around more than any other Broncos fan does. So I just, like I said, we can be mad about his bad performances. If you don't like his personality, okay. But you can't say he doesn't have the fire and the passion and the drive. He does. He's trying to get this turned around. And I think Sunday is a sign that, you know, it's possible that he can, like you said, put the right people around him, get him in the right offense. I think they can make it work with Russell Wilson. Well, because this is our positive show of the season, John, we're going to do a whole segment on why Nathaniel Hackett should stay as the head coach. No, I'm just kidding. No, 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 we're not going to do that. <laughs> That's no, too far. We're, we're, we're going to stick with the quarterback. Just like you said, you put it very well, John. We don't think the quarterback is washed. We think the quarterback is could be just fine if we get the right coach and system for him so that's that's where that's where we are i think we're we're in agreement there we just got to get the right coach the right system sorry nathaniel you seem like a great guy um but we want a new coach next year very badly and i'm sure we'll be talking that about that in uh, future weeks but we have another game this week we'll get john to tell us you know why we're still watching these ball games what to what to make us feel good about the injury report doesn't make me feel so good about this one there's some big injuries on both sides that is going to make this game uh interesting to say the least. We'll get into all that here coming up next. But first, 
Let's get some uh, some fantasy advice. It's the playoffs. How are your team's doing out there? You got a big playoff matchup this week? We got to get some playoff advice in the fantasy playoffs from thehuddle.com. This is the Typico Sportsbook Fantasy Minute. Let's make this interesting. Interesting. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Playoffs. I'm Corey Benini of TheHuddle.com here to bring you strong plays for Week 15. Indianapolis Colts quarterback Matt Ryan at the Minnesota Vikings. Ryan, coming out of the bye week, takes on a Vikings defense that has allowed eight finishes of QB 13 or better in the last nine games. Just two defenses have given up more points to quarterbacks in 2022, and one of them allowed double the rushing scores as Minnesota. This matchup is 30.3% better than league average. Even a fading star like Ryan should be able to exploit Minnesota's secondary. Kansas City Chiefs running back Isaiah Pacheco at Houston Texans. This matchup profiles better for Pacheco finding success than his red hot backfield mate Jarek McKinnon. Since week 9, running backs have averaged the 7th most rushing yards per game and a touchdown every 36.8 attempts, but this is the number one defense to exploit on the year. 15 times a running back has made it into double-digit PPR territory, and this matchup is 28.6% better than league average. McKinnon will get his, but Pacheco should finish on the border between RB1 and number 2 performers. Washington Commanders wide receiver Jahan Dotson versus New York Giants. The rookie wideout posted 5 receptions for 54 yards and a touchdown on nine targets before the bye week hit. Now, Dotson will take on a Giants defense again, his opponent from the aforementioned Week 13 showing. He was involved more as a receiver of late, and it wouldn't be a surprise to see that continue down the stretch. New York has allowed wide receivers top 10 stats for receptions and yardage per contest since Week 9, and this defense has given up a touchdown per game to the position during that window. Tight end David Njoku, Cleveland Browns versus Baltimore Ravens. After missing Week 13 with a bum knee only to return for a 7-catch, 59-yard, one touchdown line on nine looks in his first contest with Deshaun Watson under center, and Joku faces a Baltimore defense that has done a pretty good job of limiting tight ends of late. He was good for 14.1 fantasy points without scoring a touchdown in week seven. Consecutive tight ends have posted at least 12 PPR points against this defense in the most recent pair of games, and eight tight ends have posted at least 10 points versus the Ravens in 2022. Six touchdowns have been scored by the position on the year. Don't be scared off by the name brand of Baltimore's defense. For more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com. That was your typical sportsbook fantasy minute. Win your fantasy football league with thehuddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at Typico Sportsbook. For a limited time, new Typico Sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right, we're back. Uh, we're going to talk Broncos Cardinals here. Uh, John, you mentioned Wilson got knocked out of this ball game. Obviously, it was Brett Rippin who came in. Poor Brett Rippin tried to finish off that comeback. You think the Broncos would have got it done if Wilson was in the game, John? What do you think? What's your gut say? Uh, I definitely think they could have pulled it off. It, it just it felt like they had so much momentum, so much confidence. The Chiefs were clearly frustrated. Wilson was so pumped up. Like on that play, he got knocked out. You could just see how much he wanted it. I really think they could have pulled it off. It, if it, if the game was the exact same situation and Wilson had the ball instead of Brett Rippon having the ball there at the end, I think they could have pulled it off. And not to dump on poor Brett Rippon. Like, he was hit as he throws. It's just it's unfortunate that they had to turn to their backup quarterback. And, you know, he felt bad. He said he was so disappointed that he couldn't complete the comeback. But, you know, 
it is what it is. And the injury report, like you said, Wilson, now he's in the concussion protocol and there's five phases that he's got to go through before he gets cleared to play. And just for his personal health and his personal well-being, I hope that he doesn't play on Sunday. Even if he is cleared, I, I like I'm not a doctor, but I just I don't like when a player gets a concussion and then just plays the very next game. I I would like if they had a rule you had to sit out one game or at least one game after getting a concussion because I think concussions are that serious, especially when we saw Wilson. It looked like he got clear knocked out. Like it looked like he was unconscious. His yep. body was so limp on the ground. And then when they were helping up, he was kind of stumbling. Like you hate seeing that. And the absolute worst thing that can happen for a concussion is to get another one shortly after it. So I, to me, it's not worth the risk at all, especially this is a lost season. And mathematically, the Broncos can't make the playoffs anyway. Don't risk it. You know, they, you know, if it's bad, they might even consider sitting him down for the whole year. But even if they don't go that far, I, you know, I kind of hope for Wilson's sake that he doesn't play this weekend. And if he doesn't clear concussion protocol or if they just decide to not play him, it'll be Brett Rippon, like you said. It'll be his second start of the season. He's one-on-one as a starter. And like you were saying with Brock Purdy, like – you can get the job done with a backup quarterback. He just he's got, you know, a, a couple of decent running backs. He's got a couple of good receivers. We really like Greg Dulcich. Well, the offensive line could be a problem, but you know, the Cardinals aren't some great team. Like Brett Rippon is good enough to beat the Cardinals, or at least in theory he should be. Um to touch on a couple other injuries real quick, Mike Boone, he's on injured reserve and there's only 4 games left, so he's done for the season. He suffered a high ankle sprain. So they have a guy on the practice squad. I imagine they'll call up, and but it'll probably mostly be Marlon Mack and Latavius Murray going forward anyway. And then Cortland Sutton, he's got his hamstring. Uh, Nathaniel Hackett said Sutton's just going to be day to day with that hamstring. Um, but judging from other Broncos players that have have hamstring injuries this season, how long it's taken them to get back from them, I'm not necessarily holding my breath for Sutton this week. And then Randy Gregory. It seems like forever now he's been on IR with a knee injury and he's been eligible for a couple of weeks to come off IR. They just don't want to do it before he's ready. And Hackett said for him too, it's day to day. They're just going to see how it goes. So we'll find out for sure on Friday if Sutton and Gregory, if they're going to be able to play on uh, Sunday. But Boone is now out for the week or out for the season. And Wilson, he's in the concussion protocol. So it's really up in the air how long he's going to be out. Yeah, just to circle back a little bit to your commentary on Wilson and him sitting out, like I think that's a, a, a fair take, definitely a fair take on it, John. It's like when sometimes you see these players where they take a headshot, the spotter grabs them, they jog off the field, they look pretty much like they're okay, um, and then they end up being out for the game, but you know they're in the protocol, but you know you can tell like they didn't really they didn't really get knocked out. It really wasn't that severe, and then you see stuff like with Russell Wilson, right? And you're just like, okay, that, that one is uh that one hits a little bit different. They, you, you would see if the league, maybe the league should, you know, look at that and say, okay, you need to sit out X amount of games. I think that's, that's a fair take on the situation. And yeah, I mean, what are we playing for? We're playing for just, just what we saw last week to try to ruin someone's playoff seed. The, the chiefs down the line, the chargers, maybe we could screw up their playoff hopes at the, in the last week of the season. Like that's what we're hoping for now. There's nothing else. So, uh, yeah, Brett Rippett can try to do that too. Yeah. 
uh, yeah, for sure. And, and pride and jobs. Like we're assuming that Nathaniel Hackett is gone, but these players, they're all playing for their jobs. If not just for the Broncos, if they're going into free agency, like Draymond Jones, he wants to get paid. He wants to show that he didn't quit down the season. He remained productive. And like these, these other players that are going to be coming up on free agency and, you know, fringe roster guys for the Broncos that want to be kept with the team next year. Cause you know, maybe if they're a fringe roster guy, if they're cut, you know, their seat, their career is at risk of being over. So there's a lot to play for, for the players, not, not just pride, but career wise, like there's stuff on the line for them so that they still have reason to play and they still have reason to go all out in these last four games. All right. So looking ahead to the spread on this game, which is how we like to end our program each week. Uh, it, it hasn't been as fun picking the spread this year, John, with the Broncos being so bad, but, uh, they were going to be dogs in this game, assuming Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson were starting, right? Last week, the uh, the Cardinals were two-and-a-half-point favorites coming to Denver. Now, with Kyler Murray out and Russell Wilson highly questionable, the Broncos are actually two-and-a-half-point favorites at home. So they're going to get Colt McCoy and the Cardinals. Uh, this is just an Arizona team that's just, they're not good. They're four and nine now. Uh, they beat themselves, really, John. I, I can't. I can't imagine Cliff Kingsbury's long for, for this world over in Arizona. I know their leadership keeps saying he is. I just don't believe them. I think he could be he he could be on the chopping block as well at the end of the year on that on that first Monday after the regular season there. Uh it's a bad Arizona team, which is disappointing because they have talent all over the place. Like DeAndre Hopkins and Marquise Brown are their two two top two receivers. Like what team wouldn't kill for that? Those guys are ridiculous. Uh they got they got talent. Uh Buda Baker on defense. That's an amazing little player on defense, right? They got players. They got talent. They just can't put it together. Uh, they're going through something similar as the Broncos. They just don't have the yeah, leadership. Yeah, I was going to say that yeah. sounds familiar. Yep, they just don't have the leadership. Uh, I probably would have picked the Broncos if Kyler Murray was starting this game <laughs> and Russell Wilson. Uh, I, I wouldn't have liked the Cardinals as favorites. I mean, I think it says a lot that a mediocre at best Patriots team that can't figure out their own stuff Went into the went into Arizona as two and a half point favorites on the road on Monday night this past week. Uh, now they won, probably helped by Kyler Murray getting hurt right at the beginning of the game, but fine, they won the game somehow, John. Uh, but the Patriots were favored in that game. It just kind of shows you how the betting public feels about the Cardinals. So even if it's Brett Rippon versus Colt McCoy, I kind of lean Broncos at home because I just think this Cardinals team they just they don't have it, man. They're not that good. Uh, they're they're going to struggle. They're going to hurt themselves, and if the Broncos defensively can play like they did against Pat Mahomes, especially in that second half, I mean, the Broncos' defense could win this game on their own, I think. I think it's that kind of contest, so give me the points. Um, well, actually, wait. The Broncos are now favorites at home. See, I keep forgetting that that, that line flipped, so the Broncos are favored at home. Do I want to give, give away those points? Yeah, I'll stick with it. My, my, my gut says to stick with the Broncos. I think their defense could dominate this ballgame, but what do you think? Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I would back the Broncos to win this game by a field goal or more because, like I said, with Brett Rippon, I think they can win with him. And Colt McCoy on that Patriots game, I know it wasn't an ideal situation because they were throwing and, like, game script. Like, the James Conner, like you were saying, the Cardinals have weapons. James Conner is a good running back. If the Cardinals can get their running game going, get their flow going, like, maybe Colt McCoy can be good enough. But they were in such a hole against the Patriots – the Patriots just teed off on them 
and the Cardinals offensive line was an absolute disaster. Like Broncos fans have been frustrated with Denver's offensive line. Arizona's offensive line looked even worse. So I think if if the Broncos can get a lead, a little bit of lead, like even just a one score lead and force Colt McCoy to beat them with his arm. I think like you're saying, the defense is going to go crazy, just like the Patriots defense went crazy. And, you know, maybe this is the week Randy Gregory is able to come back. If you get Gregory on one side, Baron Browning on the other side, you know, uh, Justin Simmons, he's been making plays, picking off passes. Pat Sertani just got his first interception of the season. So I could definitely see them piling up some sacks getting some turnovers and, you know, again, like Brett Rippon, he doesn't have to be a world beater. He just has to be good enough. I think playing at home, you know, the Cardinals are reeling the Broncos. Yeah. They, they actually even have a worse record, but they're coming off a good performance. Like the Broncos, they say moral victories don't mean anything, but I think you definitely feel better about yourself, how they played on Sunday than how the Cardinals are going to feel about themselves of how they played on Monday. So the Broncos, they should feel better. They look better. I think Brett Rippon, you know, with the his offensive line and his weapons, I think he's in a better spot than Colt McCoy is. Even though we, we rattle off those weapons he had, it just doesn't matter if he doesn't have time. And it doesn't matter if, you know, if he gets rattled and shaken up and is just chucking balls out there and, you know, he's seeing ghosts spin around the pocket, thinks he doesn't have any time, maybe even when he does. Like, Colt McCoy just, he collapsed against the Patriots. And if the Broncos can get him in that situation, if they can get a lead and force the Cardinals to throw to try to catch up and don't let them establish their ground game with James Conner, I think the Broncos may be able to run away with this one. And it's it's crazy to say something like that, that <laughs> even though the Cardinals haven't been a good team but just to be so confident and back the Broncos, it's been so long since I've confidently backed the Broncos, but I am this week. It's the show of positivity, John. You got to lean in, right? That We said it right off the top. You got to lean in. And it's, the, it's the defense. It's the discrepancy on defense. Uh, it's So the Cardinals, I think they're dead last in the league in red zone defense. So they're giving up the most touchdowns in the red zone. So can the Broncos sneak one in? Hopefully. Sneak a couple in. I think this will be a very low scoring game. But the Cardinals, just total defense, points per game, 26.8, dead last, 32nd in the league. So they're the worst team in the league in total points per game allowed, and they're dead last in the red zone. That just shows you something. They're not a good defense over there. Denver is among the league leaders in all those categories. And I can't wait to start them in fantasy. I have a, I have a fantasy playoff matchup this week, John. I have a 14-team, pretty competitive league I play in every year. Oh, yeah. I got the Broncos yeah. as my, I got the Broncos defense, and uh, I can't wait to start them this week. And start them with confidence. Yep. I think they're going to tee off on Colt McCoy and that Cardinals team, and it's going to be fun. I think it's going to be fun, and I think the Broncos can win this ball game by a field goal. I would have liked it better if they were giving away points. Still, I would have came here, uh, Mister Confident over <laughs> here. I keep forgetting that we're now we're now giving away the, the two and a half, but I'll, I'll give it away. I think the Broncos can win by three. I don't think they're going to score a lot of points. I don't think Arizona will either, though. It's probably going to be a field goal struggle. Oh and yeah. it's Matt Trader is coming back to Denver, where he initially broke or tied the field goal record but then obviously justin tucker smashed that but back in denver it'll be cool to see if prater gets a shot to blast another long one and mcmanus he's not he never likes to be one up so maybe the offense is just once it get near midfield it's just okay let's see who can kick the longest <laughs> field goal the longest field goal wins the game i love what we've resorted to it's like more, it's moral victories. It's rooting for the kickers. It's just, this has been a fun season, John. It really has. It really has. And we're going to keep yeah. the fun going. We'll be back next week. Of course, uh, real quick, John, give me 30 second of seconds of what, uh, you guys are working on a Broncos wire between now and kickoff. 
what we're tracking Russell Wilson. We're tracking all injuries. We'll get the TV map to see if the game's on in your region. Uh, you know, this podcast coming out on Thursday, we got, you know, free agents coming up for the Broncos, different lists, things like that on Broncos wire. So a typical game week. All right. That's John Heath. Check him out on the Broncos wire. I'm Ryan O'Leary. Thanks for joining us. And we will catch you next week after Broncos Cardinals. Good stuff, John. Good stuff. Yeah. I got to get a good answer prepared for when you asked me that at the end of the show, because <laughs> by the time the podcast, like when the press conferences are on Monday and Wednesday is the most interesting things. And yeah. so that's all out by Thursday when the podcast comes out. And then after that, like the most interesting thing that's on the site before the game is like the TV map and like the <laughs> Q&A exchange with the other site editor. Yeah, it's a good it's so, a good point that you're thinking that this podcast comes out Thursday. Uh, you're actually pretty smart um, to think that. I, I could stop asking that. I just think it's a fun way to like plug the, the website one more yeah, time. No, no it, it's, gr- it's a great question. I'm always just like, I don't have a good thing to say is coming up. <laughs> Well, I like to keep you on your toes, John. So I'll, I'll switch it up again next week to, to really mess with you. No, but, okay. Um, no, just playing. Um, so <clears throat> I'll work on getting this all edited up in the with the new system, um, and then let me know how you let me know what you think about the uh, quality. If you notice anything different, okay. you think it's better. Um, I think it will be. Um, you know, there has been times, not really with our pod, it's been fine, but there has been times where I've had to go and like take out like five seconds because it kind of cut out a little bit. So I'm like, let me cut this out. No one will ever know. You know, John says, but, yeah. and then you say something and then I just splice it together with something else. And you say, but this, and it just sounds like you're still talking. Seamless. You actually, yeah. you actually said something within those 10 seconds. I just cut them out and nobody knows. So, um, I, w- I'm really excited to not have to do that. First of all, it'll save me time. And also we get to hear your entire thought. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> I think it's going to be all good. So, um, yeah, let me know what you think, man. Let me know what you think. Cool. And, but thanks, cool. thanks for all you do promoting the show. I really appreciate it. And um, all right, let's go see what Kurt has to say. All right, y'all. I'll talk to you next week. <laughs> all right, bud. Talk soon. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.